Hey, this is episode 81 of the Thodcast, Conversations About Animation. I'm your host, Philip Elke. I'm podcasting from northern Minnesota. Today I'm joined by two wonderful co-hosts. First off, also from Minnesota, it's Hannah Lee Smart. How's it going, Hannah? I am doing great. I'm so happy that we can talk about Miss Judy Hopps and the Zootopia crew today. Our hometown heroes from the uh, land of the mammals. And also joined today by Jody Pulaski coming in from Georgia. How are you doing, Jody? I'm doing great down here, and I think it's going to be a wild time because this movie is full of plot twists and crazy characters and amazing animation. I'm excited to talk about Zootopia today. This is a wild movie, and I don't know if it's the change of seasons. I'm trying to avoid coffee to cut down on stress. I am tired and not such a optimal situation to be in. Uh, trying to talk about this movie in particular, but I, I'm still excited because this movie gets me amped no matter what. Uh, we're talking about 2016's Zootopia. Yeah, um, I don't know. Does anyone want to start in right away? Hannah, um, Walt Disney Animated Feature. Gosh, I have to look up the order. I like to state that every time we do one of these Walt Disney Animated Features. Uh, what, what's your first reaction to Zootopia, Hannah? Sure. So this is one of those movies that um, I have honestly seen a hundred times. Anyone that is like a babysitter or like has a young kid in their life um, knows how those kind of movies work. Um, when this first came out, my niece was like obsessed with it. She thought it was so cute. Um, she actually always thought her name was Julie instead of Judy. So she would call her Julie Bunny. And I just thought that was so cute. <laughs> That's just like a memory. So in my head, it's like a sentimental movie to me because kids are only little for so long. Um, I think my initial thoughts are it's not for all kids. It's a little bit dark. It does have like a kidnapping aspect within the animal world. Um, and it's it's pretty fast paced. So if your kid is more of like a little like likes the little, I don't want to say like dopey, but like, you know, more like cuddly films. This might not be for them, but definitely those kids that are really into like action-packed adventure movies or movies where um, there's lots of jokes. I think this movie definitely has a, a comedic aspect. It's a bit dark, but not so dark that I would deter from it. Um, I know lots of parents um, kind of questioned this one when it first came out but um, from my perspective it's it's pretty good and I think in 2016 um, if we're still talking about it today and it's getting a reboot I think this fall there's a second one um, it must have done pretty well so I think it's a good movie yeah it's, uh, hugely successful we need to be on the lookout for Zootopia Plus, a uh, series that's been announced for Disney Plus. Oh, it's a series? That's awesome. I believe so. Um, that's what we will be looking forward to. Um, I'll double check that. But Jody, what, what is your knowledge of Zootopia, aka Zootropolis in some regions? <laughs> yeah, I'll hop right in with my opinion. I thought it was fantastic. It's not my favorite style of animation. Um, what would you call this? Like CGI? Mm -hmm. uh, 
uh, I like more of the 2D, but I thought the scenes and the character designs were wonderful. The way they created, you know, the sloths working at the DMV and this whole, you know, society of animals and the way that they created the way that they work in their environment. I thought it was really good. Like Hannah said, it's a pretty big and bold adventure with some sharp turns and also like sharp critiques of like society and how we work together. But I thought it was really impressive. Um, I liked the way they sort of examine people's roles as like the predator versus prey um, and how we can kind of see that that reflected in our own world. So I really liked it. And I really liked the questions it brought up mm. and the situations that it handled. Yeah, um, this movie is very similar to the style of animation from the Robin Hood film from the, the 70s. Um, this is the 55th uh, animated Walt Disney feature. Um, but and it's cool that Nick Wilde was a fox and Robin Hood was a fox. You can see like the similarities. I, I there's like fan theories that they share like the same universe, um, but you know <laughs> we can always explore that at some point. Maybe uh, with the upcoming Zootopia Plus series that that is supposed to come out early 2022. Um, but yeah, so getting to to Zootopia, um, you know where it's it is CGI, um, you know the last uh, traditionally animated film from Disney um, is Winnie the Pooh. And that was released uh, 2011, if I'm not mistaken. And then 2012, we had Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, and then 2013, my personal favorite, <laughs> the the uh, namesake of the Thodcast, the film Frozen uh, in 2013, then Big Hero 6 2014, and then they took a couple, or they took a year off. Um, there were two Pixar animation films um, distributed by Disney, of course, released by Disney uh, in 2015, those being Inside Out and The Good Dinosaur. Um, and then this was a bit of a fun frenzy for me, um, anticipating the release of this, this madcap adventure, um, modern noir film, Zootopia, um, in 2016, where they, they did like a special screening of uh, each of the seven Disney animated features leading up to Zootopia that had been released during um, uh, you're under the leadership, I should say of John Lasseter and Ed Catmull who had come to supervise the uh, Walt Disney animation studio in 2006. Um, they, they came in to sort of bring a more Pixar uh, philosophy to Walt Disney and uh, that had been paying off mightily with films like Tangled and, you know, Wreck-It Ralph, Frozen, huge successes. Um, so to name clearly... a few uh, low budgeters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so there was a bit of a celebration going on that I, I took part of in Los Angeles leading up to the release of Zootopia. I'm looking at a bunch of art that I have hanging up in my uh in my bedroom here uh it's uh, a lot of them are autographed because they had autograph signings leaning leading up to the premiere of Zootopia um but these lithographs that I have are just um these gorgeous 
uh, art pieces that I collected from these screenings that they held at the El Capitan Theater uh, in twenty in early twenty sixteen when Zootopia came out. So I'm I'm very grateful to Walt Disney for for putting that on. Um, that's when I got to meet Jennifer Lee and Chris Buck, uh, directors of Frozen. They they were doing an autograph signing. Um, so uh, yeah, I have very very fond memories of when this movie released Zootopia and I saw it several times in theaters. Um, it went on to win the Oscar for best animated feature um, at the, the following year's ceremony. And this, uh, this movie, yeah, it's been out for five years now, but it, it, <laughs> there's a lot to talk about because this movie covers a lot of subject matter and theming. Ultimately, it's about animals, but it, um, it really is about humanity at its core. And um, it, it's about diversity and that can be a touchy subject. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think this movie right now, like getting its little um, revamp in November, um, I don't think is a mistake in our current climate. I think um, it was interesting timing in 2016 with the themes of this movie um, with the climate of like the US of course at that time. Um, and it's it does resonate I think with kids and adults. Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of is a little bit political like kind of a lot of it if you really think about it. It has that you can do anything like kind of princess poppy positive vibe but it kind of shows you that you you don't want to be first because it's scary to be first, of course, like in anything, you know, in baseball and politics and being the first in anything, it's scary. And that's never widely accepted. Um, but it also shows you that you might think I'm going to join this and it's such a beautiful thing that I can change the world. And, you know, everyone thinks that they can change the world and that their ideas are great, but when something is corrupt and you're entering a corrupt system, mm -hmm. um, which obviously this is leaning very political, but it's the message of the movie, like you can't fix all of the things that are surrounding you in that system immediately until they're uncovered. And it's going to take more than one person to dismantle that and kind of lead to a more harmonious life, which is what um, Judy kind of sets out to do and then discovers that not everyone is as kind and as caring as she is. And I think often just in the world, the most kind and caring people tend to give up what they love for others and tend to get sucked into these things and these systems, things isn't really a strong word, but into these systems that um, are like abusive and kind of like abrasive in their nature and it's gonna take a hundred people to weed out one bad person so we need to kind of start fresh and I think this movie really touches on that yeah I think Judy has like a really good character arc like it's a to me like a really good and like easy one to follow and I my favorite I guess of the two would have to be like Nick Wilde because I think his is really strong too where it's like somebody has been like treated as like the villain so they kind of become a villain like self-fulfilling prophecy style like Nick is super smart there's this scene where he's sort of like doing his little hustle and he's like tricking 
people out of these lollipops and then he's recreating new lollipops and like he's he's like this like business guy sort of like he's a he's a quick-witted like smart character but you know all his life he's kind of been told like you're a predator like we don't trust people like you or whatever so he kind of like throws his hands in the air and is like well if you think that's what I'm like well then maybe that's what I'm like where Judy took like the complete opposite like people were like you're a rabbit like you can't do that and instead of throwing her hands up she's like well yes I can and it's kind of interesting how both of their like different attitudes like when they're able to come together like they're able to like pull strengths from each other like that they're able to find a way to like bounce off of each other and find a, a better world and like some harmony at the end with with both of their different personalities I think that's really cool right and that's another like bipartisan um leaning or like a political leaning that I found in this movie like obviously I've seen it like a lot of times so <laughs> I overevaluated it but I definitely think that um, the message of the movie is definitely thinking that not everyone thinks the same, but when we think together and use like the messages that are going to help the people that might not be the most powerful. And sometimes you have to take the most powerful people and put them in a lesser position because they're not mentally aware enough to be in that position. Like some people just they can't handle it. And so I think those two working together, like unlikely friends becoming one and using their op opposition to create something is exactly the message of like bipartisan politics. Rabbit and Fox. Yes. Um, they, uh, you know, there's lots of interesting symbolism that, that goes deep into, I don't know, heavy topics if you want to take it that way but um i think it definitely the... goes that way wait sorry i was just gonna hop on that when you yeah. said the characters names but like even the parallels of like the mayors like there's the lamb and the lion like even in the bible right. you read about like the lion and the lamb you know these two like predator and prey like living together so like zootopia is this really crazy world that has these just like extremely different not humans, but uh, animals and how, of course, there's going to be these prejudices and ignorance and like hurtful things in there. I think it's like mm -hmm. cool that they're able to tie this all into like a funny family friendly movie. Mm -hmm. That's cool that they, you know, build this world with anthropomorphic animals and then try to figure out how that would um, work kind of in a <laughs> sort of lopsided you know reality that, that they build out from this uh, concept of you know these are real world animals and of course been given significant augmentations to make them more human to make them you know anthropomorphic uh, you know personified and they um still retain many of their animal attributes um and in some cases uh the the animals are um, shown to behave completely like animals uh, and this mm -hmm. is you know a significant plot element that uh, drives the conflict um, but you know the the range of docile to hostile um, that these uh, different animal characters show is you know representative of like the the dramatic range that I think the creators of this film you know, are capable of demonstrating, especially uh, you have a guy like Rich Moore, 
one of the directors, there are two lead directors on this film, Rich Moore and Byron Howard. Um, and I think it's worth mentioning these guys because um, uh, Rich Moore w was one of the creators of Wreck-It Ralph. He was one of the directors of, um, or he, he was the sole credited director on the first Wreck-It Ralph film. Uh, and that, you know, those films, he also uh, was a director of the second one as well. Uh, have a lot of, you know, solid commentary on, um, you know, the real world, despite being these highly fantasized worlds. Uh, but he also got his start on The Simpsons, um, you know, making just very savvy commentary on life in America, life in kind of modern society. Um, that, that was the granddaddy of cultural commentary sort of catered to a, a very wide audience, um, you know, delivered in a hum humorous form that was easily digestible. Of course, now the Simpsons are owned by Disney. So uh, they've fairly readily adopted sort of that brand of humor. Um, and, and it definitely um, is something that comes through, I think, with uh, with Zootopia, of course, Rich Moore also a major creative in, um, uh, founder on the show Futurama as well, which has a lot of similarities to The Simpsons. Um, I don't think he is still with Walt Disney Animation, um, but yeah, I don't know if uh, th that kind of humor is something that uh, appeals to any you you guys, or if you're. You know. I was just thinking it's interesting that. Um... Disney would own something like The Simpsons. Like, I didn't know that. But mm -hmm. so often, I guess Disney owns so much stuff, right? They own, like, ABC. Mm -hmm. They own all these sub-brands. They own, like, a thousand branches of themselves. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I just think it's interesting that they would own The Simpsons just because The Simpsons is so crass. <laughs> um, and that whole kind of type, not the type of comedy, but the subject matter of a lot of the comedy in those shows. Mm -hmm. Um, and Futurama, like that animation is also a bit crass uh, sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting that Disney would affiliate their brands with that. So like as an actor, if you play like a stripper in one movie, you're going to play a stripper for your whole life because <laughs> yeah. like that's typecasting. Um, and if you ever want to be like America's sweetheart in a movie, you're always going to get the bad reviews that are like, she still looks like a whore. Mm -hmm. So it's just interesting. <laughs> that Disney would um, kind of put their name on there. And I know The Simpsons is like kind of a mind of their own because they have such like a reputable branding, which is mm -hmm. so funny to me because like, let's be real, The Simpsons is not like the best like characters design or animation. Like it's not like in any of the categories, you wouldn't be like, wow, like, you know, you look at movies like, and I know like Simpsons is a TV show, but you look at movies like Tangled and Frozen and obviously they're made in a different era. Mm -hmm. But think about like the show yourself scene versus like Homer Simpson, like trimming a bush, like wandering around the yard. Like it's yeah. not great animation. So it's just like, I don't know. It's, it's a the, bit baffling. The Simpsons. But. Yeah, it's, I think it's a satire designed to, you know, sh showcase maybe some of the uglier side of living in you know, kind of our modern society without, um, you know, questioning things too much, um, as we often do. Um, and, and of course, I think the art style reflects this sort of, <laughs> the, the, I don't know, ugliness or, or sort of silliness 
uh, the, yeah. of, of the mundane. <laughs> and I think um, nowadays parents are definitely more cautious in like what their kids absorb. Mm-hmm. But like there was definitely a day when people didn't know, like I remember my parents would be like, you can't watch Cartoon Network because like blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. But then I would go to like my cousin's house and they were allowed to watch like Scooby-Doo. So you'd see the adult swim commercials that were still mm-hmm. on during like the kids hours or whatever. And it's just so interesting to me that animation is inherently childish, right? And then they take these wildly adult subject matters. Like some of these shows are insane. And kids aren't going to know that. They're going to be like, oh my gosh. And SpongeBob was made for adults. So there's just so many types of comedy and uh, subject matter that are very interesting. Parents have yeah a lot of influence on the animation industry. It's very true, and and some people might bristle at the notion that animation is inherently childlike, but I, I don't think that's necessarily inaccurate because uh, I think I just um, think it's often aimed at kids. So like mm-hmm. if you don't know a cartoon, and you walk in the room and your kid's watching the cartoon, you're just gonna walk past the TV. Yeah. But if they're watching like. Like if they're watching a cartoon and like the character has big boobs, you're not going to think about it as much as if you walk past the screen and it's like some like, like actual person yeah, that looks the same, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh my God. And I think like with animation, like why it's like so appealing for kids, just having like a nephew and I go, you guys have nieces and nephews too, is they're able to make everything like uh, with the animation, they're able to like exaggerate things mm-hmm. and make things like a little bit over the top, like in this Zootopia, like the characters, like the sloths working at the DMV, like that's an iconic scene, but like since since it's animation, <laughs> they can like make them go like really slow and really talk. And like that kind of creative, like over the top stuff really appeals to kids. But then like by tying in like adult messages, I don't know, I feel like our generation though, our generation is really like all about adult animation shows because like look at how many there are now versus when we were kids do you know what I mean there's like tons of adult and technology is like advanced enough to kind of bend out more things like animation think about it like the little mermaid animation versus like frozen animation like both were like brilliant movies but the animation like levels Mm. are just way different and technology you're able to kind of put that out there um when Jody was talking about the sloths at the DMV, I love, I love, I love all the, I love all the animals because you know how sometimes people are like, oh, oh, everyone always looks like their dog or their cat or whatever. The people at the DMV would be <laughs> the sloth. Like that is iconic to me. Yeah. I think that's so funny. Um, that's like one of the best bits I think in because like people use that meme all the time they use it as like a gif like Mm -hmm. Disney really like created some iconic moments and I think it's funny because it is kind of like stereotypical of course and like the sloth doesn't have like a race but they're definitely like some animals that you're like oh my gosh Disney like what the heck but it's funny because because it's like a kid's movie and it's like you know like a an otter and a rabbit like those things don't inherently have like a racial identity or like a personal identity but you know exactly who that is like the dmv takes forever and when i see the sloth at the dmv i'm not kidding you i think of this lady from my hometown that works at the dmv and i think to myself 
you are the sloth from Zootopia. You are the reason it takes me like four hours to get my driver's license picture. Like, it's so funny. Priscilla. Um, (laughs) I I mean, yeah, I, I can't imagine, you know, very many people in real life would be able to hold down a job for very long if they <laughs> literally uh, acted like a lot of these sloths are shown to. And and I think a lot of this is played up using the magic of cartoons. And, and Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, but you know, you know them. Like, yeah, you've you've met them. You've met the Judy Hopps type. Like, I feel like, honestly, I identify yes. with her so much being like, oh my gosh, like, I can change the world in five seconds. Like, let me join in. Like, let me go on a mission and figure it out. Like, I can do this. And it's like, girl, what? No, you can't. No. <laughs> you can't. It like, takes more than one person to change the world. Like, you gotta need get some hope. <laughs> I mean, I've been Judy Hopps in my life and I've been Flash the Sloth in my life. Probably flash today. More, I'm more often. the sloth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's because you move slower when you're a sloth, so it just takes up more of your time too. I don't know, uh, but I mean, yeah, the wild-eyed kind of Pollyanna, almost uh, Judy Hopps. She, I, she's, um, I guess, she's an outlier among her family in that I guess she has 270 plus siblings according oh to her God. parents oh yeah <laughs> they must have adopted some let's just say like maybe uh, <laughs> maybe one of their siblings kicked the bucket and they had to adopt a bunch of other things because that i feel bad for mrs hops if she well to, uh, i mean i do I think actually- they have like tons of babies like my fish have babies literally like every month and they have like 16 every month Whoa. so i actually took the siblings thing as like an adult joke mm-hmm. because have you ever heard like the term they multiply like rabbits mm-hmm. it's because rabbits are like inherently like mm-hmm. constantly <laughs> horny it's, i don't know uh, the correct the, term the playboy logo <laughs> yeah so i think it was a very adult nod um this movie did have some um not just that but i i feel like um, I can't really like pinpoint, of course. I hate when I'm making a point and can't figure it out. Um, but I think it definitely did have some things for the grown-ups in there, which Disney definitely yeah. does. Well, the furry community, I'm sure, appreciates. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> um and like the sloth, just like the not so crass, like sloth at the DMV, like the grown-ups get it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I I love the sloths. I hopefully no, nobody got too offended by that because uh you know in, know, in the end. Could you imagine, <laughs> Philip? We're gonna get all the negative reviews and being like, I work at the DMV and yeah. Chad always fixes her hair sixteen times between her pictures. <laughs> ah. um, but they did that with all the animals in here. Like yeah. every yeah. career, like has a you know a, an animal associated with it. Like the elephant is doing the ice cream scooping. Like are they like implying? <laughs> ice cream scoopers are fat like I don't know like elephant like you know you know like every character you could go along and say like oh they assigned like a a personality trait with an animal that always gets a reaction out of me the elephant ice cream shop and and the fact that he's just scooping it out with his bare trunk I just (laughs) recoil whenever I see (laughs) Uh, and and it's yeah it's, it's you get lines like you know 
can't you find your own ice cream shop? You know, he's the elephant talking to the fox. Yeah, like we reserve our right to serve like who we want to serve. Do you remember that? Well, I mean, that's kind of standard policy and in a free market, but also like accentuated. But I think they've got to be like referencing those people who didn't want to make these gay people a cake. Like, I know that might (laughs) not be that, but that's the first thing I think of when it's like, we don't have to serve your kind here. They're, it's like, they're... oh, come on. Like, you're going to give them an ice cream cone. Make them a cake and let's move on. Like, I, I immediately think of Star Wars, of course, when you say that, when the bartenders shouting out the droids, telling them to get out uh, in, in the original Star Wars film. That's a great moment. But also nod to, like, the segregation and, um, you know, Dred Scott law. You know, it's um, whites only. Um installations but but also you have like a legit um practical issue with zootopia where you have creatures living in this city ranging from like the near microscopic you know you've got the the mice and the lemmings and the rodents Mm -hmm. um and uh and the voles i love the voles you know the crime family um and then all the way up to to hippos and elephants and giraffes and so like it it just really uh points out these issues in in this just really um cartoonish way that are similar to what we experience as humans (laughs) yeah um, so this is a great, yeah, opportunity to sort of explore these subjects, you know, in a way that first off is accessible to kids and also um, y- you can poke fun at and not get too, um, you know. Yeah, caught up in it. Yeah. Because it, technically at the end of the day, like if you get yourself all worked up, you can be like, well, it is a kid movie. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. I, I think like this is probably one of the strongest like storylines that they have, like Hannah said, being so busy, but you guys both really liked it. Is there anything that like you didn't like about this movie? That is a really good question. Conversation about animation. So sometimes we got to ask like, what didn't, what didn't we like? Here? Not enough Adina Menzel. Although I do like <laughs> Shakira. I do Kristen like Bell is in it. She is in this, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes. she has a little cameo. I love the Shakira aspect. Um, I think it was cute that, um, Shakira was like the pop star like I enjoy when movies do things like that where they take someone in real life that truly is a pop star and put them in that role I think that's really fun especially in like an animated feature I think it's more fun than mm-hmm. uh non-animated features mm-hmm. yeah um, I don't think there's anything I disliked um I could see where other people did would be cautious with their kids watching it because it is a little scary I think if your kids are like maybe under five um but I think it's I think it's okay and it's all kind of like your perspective and it's not really of course if Disney is marketing it to children yes they should be aware of that I think it's kind of on a a border of like quote-unquote scary but the animals turn savage like from eating the night blossoms or night howlers Mm -hmm. those scenes Mm -hmm. were really creepy to me when or or even when the bullying scene with uh 
when Gideon scratches Judy Hopps when she was little or like when um, Nick Wilde was muzzled when he was little, like mm-hmm. bullying scenes like that for me are like a really sensitive thing. Obviously it's important to the storyline to see these things that happened to them that when they were kids, but it is a little bit like traumatic sometimes like watching these things play out. I get, I get really sad for the characters. So I think little kids might be a little sad too seeing those parts. Yeah, and I think like the aspect of like reliving that trauma is yes disney's responsibility in that they created the content but if your kid is sensitive or you as a parent are going to be extra cautious which most parents are yes it would be annoying to have to buy like a 13 dollars movie ticket but read the reviews online if you're still questioning it wait till it comes out on like disney plus or dvd or whatever obviously they didn't have disney plus down there but or back then but you know get a red box um I don't think it's so scary that I would say like, don't watch it with your kids. But if you have per se that a child in your care that has experienced some sort of like abuse or trauma, or even you yourself is really sensitive to that, I would definitely caution you to like watch it first, because obviously we should be paying attention to what we give to our children. But at the same time, it's kind of like Disney made this. People review things online, whether Disney likes it or not. They'll give you a synopsis and a rating and it's balls in your court then to have your kid think if it's scary or not. And if your kid is so sensitive that it is too scary for them or you caution that. Was this G or PG? There's a million. I I was just thinking that. Um, Let's PG. It's PG. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then they're telling you like parental guidance, like you should maybe. Is anything G anymore? Like. Um, I think honestly, PG is kind of the rating. Where I feel like PG is like the new G. Like can there's not really a lot of G's. more. Because uh, Farmageddon kind of just saying like go for it. <laughs> Farmageddon was G. Well, there's no yeah. words in that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I have all the Toy Stories been. No, oh, I I think Toy Story Four might have been G as well. Uh, there are a few that slip by. <laughs> it's not very common and it's really not that significant really because um i mean i i guess parents probably do pay attention to that um i i don't always even look at the rating anymore if i'm well i think pg is just kind of a heads up to parents to be like hey like you should like maybe watch this before your kids like it has like whatever and next to the rating it says why it was rated that way yeah like it will say for graphic content, violence, and discussion of blah, blah, blah. Like, it will say that next to the rating. So just read the rating. Yeah. Toy Story 4 is G. Um, let's see. And, yeah, the, this does really take advantage of the PG rating. I, I thought that a few times, you know, while watching this film. And, and like, the references to blood, mm-hmm. um, you do see, like, just tiny bits of blood i think from from like the scratch marks you know that that we see at various points throughout the film but there's really no real blood otherwise um i don't know there's um just a lot of references to violence of course tons of uh you know a lot of disney films are reference heavy when they can get away with it and like getting back to kind of satire and that very you know almost 
sarcastic uh, humor style that um, it was really popularized in the mainstream with The Simpsons, uh, but now is being adopted more, more and more by Disney. I think it's important that Disney be willing to poke fun at itself, being the massive corporation <laughs> that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people click with that kind of humor right now, yeah. too. I mean... When, they're, when you're able to poke fun at yourself or be like reflective on yourself in like a self-aware like type way. Yeah. I mean, an, as an audience member, I really like that kind of thing. Yeah. And it um, it references a lot of adult, you know, noir film, cop, you know, police and crime dramas, uh, both films and TV shows. And I mean, I don't have a comprehensive list, but there are certainly several that I noticed and even some that I didn't notice when I first saw this film and, and uh, have since seen a lot of like some of those crime films um, that, that, you know, are just part of, uh, you know, the, the cinema landscape um, that, that I had, hadn't caught up or I hadn't caught up with until recently, um, especially during quarantine. <laughs> that was one so, sort of, form of ketchup that I was um, playing. Uh, I watched a lot of like Michael Mann uh, crime thriller films uh, like Collateral, Miami Vice, uh, movie Heat, it's an incredible film <laughs> set in LA. Um, like these are all just famous dramas involving criminals and and police that are on their tail. Um, the first ever like Hannibal Lecter movie was a a film called uh, Manhunter in the eighties. Yeah. um, But yeah, there are also silence of the lambs, you know, there's a lot of iconography. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But um, yeah, so it was, it's fun to see like that style of filmmaking really, um, you know, portrayed in a Disney animated film. And it, um, it's hard to fit that style of film usually into something that, that runs at the length of an animated feature, but, uh, but they did a good job cramming all the plot into um, however many minutes this was, you know, 108 minutes. It goes quick. It's, it's chock full. And I mean, it's like we said at the beginning, it's full of like plot twists. The first time you guys watched it, did you expect that the mayor sheep was somewhat behind this whole conspiracy. Mm-hmm. They, they do. A good I job. didn't. I yeah. was surprised. I was surprised for a kids movie that they did that quick leap. It actually reminded me of the Hans moment mm-hmm. in Frozen, where he's like, "Oh, Anna, if only someone did love you or could love you." I was shocked at that moment in Frozen, and I was shocked at this moment. At, at the sheep and maybe it's just because i like yeah. watched it like thinking this was a light-hearted thing but i was like oh my gosh the sheep is behind it all you know well not just her but that she was in on it you know yeah and they foreshadow um it's not like you know sheep are followers and so i think it's not inherently in the character of the animal so i guess yes it's a surprise i honestly don't know to be so that i saw this movie so I'm coming from the perspective of like, I've seen it too many times to remember my original reaction. Oh yeah. I've only seen it a few times, but but I remember it was to me as an adult, I was like, oh, they really pulled the rug under my feet. 
So I wonder if all the kids were able to like follow how quickly the plot line sort of goes because it goes from finding out, I don't know, there's just so many little like subplots going on. It I, uh, a lot. I would have been super lost, I think, as a kid, but that's okay. Cause like, I think I would have also appreciated the fact that like this movie wasn't dumbing itself down just for me as a kid, you know, watching all the cool colors and fun animals. That's another thing. Um, Jody and I talk about like decently often is kids love bright, fun colors. I think this movie um, had a lot of different color tones to it. It could have been maybe a little brighter, but I thought it was like the sunny day. Like it had lots of contrast in the animation, which I appreciated. I liked the shapes of the animation of the animals, like the way the lion's mane looked and the way the like elephant's trunk looked. I feel like they exaggerated just the right parts. Mm-hmm. And they gave the, they gave them like the body build. So, you know, they can walk on the two feet or whatever, but yet maintain that movement of an animal. Like Nick Wilde is probably the best example, but like he's walking on his two feet, but he's still moving like a fox. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's kind of glidey and slidey and sly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not to mention, I love his character because Jason Bateman voices him and he's one of my favorite actors. So oh, yeah. I, I, he... I love the fox, but I, I love the animation, the way they were able to incorporate the animal movements uh, yeah. without making them walk like an animal. They uh, they found the perfect kind of happy medium for a lot of those. Um, they, they didn't, I guess, uh, design a ton of different, I mean, the, the species that you see are somewhat limited. There's maybe a couple dozen different species that you see, which you know, compared to the totality of the animal kingdom, isn't very many. Uh, and it's only mammals that you see in, in this film. Um, so I guess left up to future installments to explore what other uh, members of the animal kingdom, the other the other families or, or genuses or whatever. That's they... actually so interesting, <laughs> Philip. Yeah. Like, if there's a mammal metropolis, like through the D- Zootopia 2 like plus series thing, mm-hmm. are we going to see that there is like a map of metropolis, like mm-hmm. um, like different, I don't know, kind of like how Disney World is laid out with yeah, all the different yeah. parks, they would each have their own metropolis. That's so interesting. Yeah, this world, I guess, um, that contains Zootopia might, might contain some other um yeah just interesting locales mammals are the most diverse so it might be hard for them to create those other communities their brains are more developed (laughs) reptiles have the the their they say the reptilian brain you know (laughs) which is uh, more just like automated and based on you know just fear and impulse I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the uh, what, what's that section of the brain called that they referred to as the, the uh, reptilian brain? <laughs> I don't know. The, yeah, limbic system and the. This um, is good trivia. I yeah, sorry, I'm, you know, going through my. If you uh, know, tell Philip on Instagram. Neuroscience. We don't know. <laughs> the amygdala. The amygdala. Oh. Um, <laughs> but uh and, and <laughs> oh. this movie already deals with like yeah the the primal versus the evolved and uh so it'd be interesting to see them get more into that i think there are um 
reptiles in Robin Hood. So like if this were the same the world. snake. Yeah, yeah, there's the snake. Um, Jenny Slate, of course, was the voice of, I mean, I, I haven't named too many of the uh, cast so far, but, um, you know, Assistant Mayor Bellwether, uh, who gets promoted to mayor, um, same voice as Gidget from the uh, Secret Life of Pets films. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, the little Pomeranian puffball. Um, Idris Elba, perfectly cast as the chief, Chief Bogo even gets a drop of the, you know, the phrase, let it go. <laughs> uh, when he's telling all his truth to, uh, to Judy about following your dreams. Uh, Judy gets a couple of like talking twos, um, at, at least two. You could also count like her parents talking to her about in the beginning, like, why do you think your mother and I are so happy? Because we learned to give up on our dreams and oh, embrace no. the life of simple carrot farmer. <laughs> and yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> give up on your <laughs> dreams and, and settle. We settled hard <laughs> and we're happy as a result of that. That's, that's the secret, kids. Uh, whatever Disney may tell you. Uh, well, this is Disney <laughs> telling you. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, of course, Jason Bateman, wonderful. And then Jennifer Goodwin. Um, she, I knew of her from uh, Once Upon a Time. She's the Snow Snow White. What else has she done? Because her name sounds familiar, but I haven't seen that. Yeah. What? Do you know uh, off the top of your head? I feel like I can picture her, but. I feel like Once Upon a Time is probably her most reputable. Um, but she's in like. I think she was in Walk the Line. Yeah. She, um, I don't really know what else she is. Walk the Line. I actually also think, okay, this sounds really idiotic, but I think she's also in one of the Tinkerbell movies. That makes sense. I need to look this up. One of the... Um, Pretty sure she's in one of the Tinkerbell movies. She's in Sophia the First as... Gwyn. Oh, Tinkerbell and the Legend of the Neverbeast. <laughs> wow, I'm a genius. She voices Fawn. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Well, Philip, that I just, like, knew from the sky. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. like I've just seen the Tinkerbell movies too many times, and you know how they have, like, the credits or whatever? <laughs> oh, yep. That's literally what I'm thinking. Huh. Yeah. I, <laughs> uh, then the Never Beast, that's like Fawn's big moment. Like, that was a big part, girl. And truly, like, one of the saddest Disney movies and the saddest Tinkerbell movie by far. Like, that is so sad. Oh, I haven't seen it. I'll, I'll have to check that one out because I, I think one I of you. I won't be spoiling it, but it's very sad. J Jody, didn't you cosplay Fawn with Hannah as Tinkerbell? <laughs> I did. I haven't seen the movie, but I'm such a good friend that I did cosplay. <laughs> You guys look great. I, I, uh... No, I gotta go. <laughs> I'm not a cosplayer, but but it is. I mean, I'm not a cosplayer, but I will say, like, yes, those characters are really fun, and I, I love Fawn's energy, so we'll just I, leave it at that. Well, um, did you hear... No, I, I don't know if you were present for this. I, I went to a voice acting panel... Um, at, at D23, I don't think you, you went to the Broadway one. Um, 
You did too. Yeah, I, I was there too, but I, I saw another panel that was in the big room uh, with the voice actors and um, Jennifer Goodwin described her process of um, getting hired for Zootopia, which wasn't like just this automatic thing of her being part of like the Disney family. I think she had to audition or um, I don't know, she, she had a, a callback and um, I don't, it was just this really touching, like emotional story of, um, I don't know, the, it, it being like between her and somebody else. And um, like, she, she really wanted it. I, I don't know, but um, she, she got the call and it, it, it was told that um, <laughs> she was Judy and just like tried to keep her po uh. poker face on. But then like, as soon as she got off the phone, like, She's married to her co-host or co, um, not, what's the word? Co-star in Once Upon a Time who plays Prince Charming. I don't know if you knew that. Mm -mm. Josh Dallas, um, I, I believe they're, they're still married. Um, but, you know, they, uh, it's kind of funny how they're sort of spouses on uh, Once Upon a Time and in real life. And he has a cameo in Zootopia as well. Um, but yeah, such a, uh, huge moment for her getting this voice, um, in, in the Disney animated future. Um, but I got to hear her, <laughs> sorry that I, I couldn't be more detailed about it, but, um, I just, uh, I remember it being, a, a fun moment for her. Um, yeah, and great job. I, I would be all for her, her coming back and playing a big role in the, the sequel. Um, great, great, uh, great performance. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we have been chatting about Zootopia and, um, and all the other things. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, a lot's happened in these past five years. <laughs> um, I don't know, Splash Mountain and, and um, Song of the South are sort of like, yeah, almost things that seem to have a little bit of shared DNA with this film with like, you know, the animated Fox character who's schemey and, uh, and like how it's, well, it's a commentary. Yeah. Huh. The rabbit. And there's a rabbit. You know. Well, they're the, well, they're the cliche like predator and. Yeah. And I think that even though this touches on like racial bias, it's definitely mm -hmm. not the song of the South, but I could mm -hmm. see the similarities in, uh, the animal choices. Animal choices. <laughs> yeah, ZPD is the is the the police department. So it's similar to uh, ZPD Duda. <laughs> um, no, the um, that ride, of course, is getting um, facelifted. You know, it's it's changing over to uh yeah where i was excited to hear that i mean obviously i feel like it's gonna Tiana, look so pretty i really want her to also like have like her own restaurant there but mm -hmm. i rode the splash mountain and like sure it's like whatever there, there's music and stuff but mm -hmm. it, it it is a ride that can be done like I, I think they're gonna do something really awesome with the princess and the frog with this one i'm I excited to see like, it the older Disney rides, like that one in particular, obviously, like should have been replaced a long time ago. But I think um, 
as much as Disney does like upkeep, some of the animatronics and some of like the rides mm-hmm. themselves definitely need a facelift. And I think um, that Tiana story's would just be, like, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think just, just overall, like a lot of these like older Disney rides do need maybe like this one definitely needed a full revamp, but a couple of them just need like you know, some more paint. Like some, you can tell like mm-hmm. Country Bear Jamboree just, okay this is so random is one of my favorite things at disney and like it's not jody's fave so we don't get to go all the time like mm-hmm. when your best friend like hates your your thing you're like oh okay. <laughs> like the bear swinging well, from the top like yeah like i'll be like being with the country bears and jody will be like cake hey, time to go wait 15 hours for flight of passage like oh okay um but like stuff like that i definitely think I love the nostalgia and the ambiance, but it was not meant to be like, not tattered, but a little loved. Mm -hmm. And so I think lots of these things just need an update. You can't have like Frozen Ever After and like these crazy cool like animatronics for the new movies. And then like the old classic things as much as I love them. Like some of those bears need to like get a little, you know, ruffle in their fur. Yeah. Well, they did. I mean, this is like going off topic a little more, but if you're Disney followers, Disneyland opened up and they, over the downtime, the COVID time, uh, they went in and like gave a fresh like paint touch up to the Snow White ride, which is like one of their classics. And it, it shows that like some of the classics, like you can keep them and like, you can like, Mm -hmm. you know keep it like obviously it's snow white what you're gonna do about it but like you can go in and like add a couple things and like fix up the animatronics so that you get like the best of both worlds with the with the splash mountain it was more the storyline that was like no longer mm-hmm. kosher hmm. i think yeah the i've never seen it to be honest um, but I, i've heard of it you've heard of what song of the south like oh, i've never yeah, actually yeah. watched it but like i know the big the, the critique sure. uh, that goes along with that one yeah i haven't seen it as well i and it almost seemed like disney was trying to like rehabilitate that film and its sort of controversial legacy when they decided to theme you know multiple attractions after that film back in the late 80s um and then yeah i don't know i think they realized that that wasn't going to happen like that that movie was Mm -hmm. never going to uh transcend its reputation um it, you know despite it's you know it, it having sort of a conciliatory like positive message overall there's just too much uh imagery you know from from the slavery era and that time period really make it yeah um but it, it will continue to exist at least for the foreseeable future in Tokyo. So <laughs> if you really want your Splash Mountain, um, you, you'll have to go to uh, Tokyo Disneyland for it. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I think this movie tries to tackle a lot of similar like um, cultural fault lines um, in the modern age and uh, I think does so very well but it does lay it on pretty thick as well <laughs> in many ways um, you, and you have like that wild-eyed uh, Judy Hopps character who thinks she can solve the problem of um, 
I don't know, eugenics <laughs> by stating like, uh, it, oh, it must be the biology of these, uh, the, these predators that's causing them to go savage. And it's like, whoa, uh, ease up on the rhetoric there. <laughs> As a, a non-expert in this. Uh, so, so yeah, like seeing that moment where the two of them uh, have their falling out, it certainly um, pays off. I think rather well in that moment mm-hmm. um, and, and it's just as a result of kind of judy's um naivete uh and and she does like concede that she was kind of being a a dumb bunny in that moment a dumb bunny <laughs> oops but uh interesting that she she returns back home kind of with her tail between her legs but it wasn't as a result of getting chewed up and spat out like a lot of people say would happen um, but it's, it's her reaching the top and kind of learning that, um, it wasn't what she had hoped. <laughs> so, uh, what, a, what an interesting problem, you know, what an, what an interesting pickle, but, um, it's like someone who, um, I don't know, reaches out and is able to grab onto the flame and just, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> doesn't need any more than that is fine to just mm-hmm. you know i guess some of us do problem could probably learn the lesson of like you know learning how to um know when enough is enough um but ultimately it's, it's good to um also portray that you know this world does need bunnies as cops <laughs> as well and that foxes can be um you know, can be friendly. Um, okay, so I think that pretty much <laughs> does it for Zootopia. And uh, I don't know, I'm awake now. <laughs> um, Talking about Judy hopped you right up. Yeah. She hopped you up, Philip. That was fun, cute. Fun fact. So like, you're saying we're going to record this episode all over again? Well, let's uh, hop right into it. No, no, I'm just saying. <laughs> Hi, like, I'm uh, Jody. Welcome to the Thodcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully, I'm. I don't feel too, uh, too wired after this because I do want to get a decent sleep tonight. But um, yeah, Judy hops. Uh, she has purple eyes to help um, contrast with her sort of gray, sort of overall. <laughs> The term to be somewhat dull color scheme. Um, I don't know if you noticed that, but you know, in a movie aimed at kids, you want um, kind of your primary characters to be um, appealing and colorful. So that was one way in which they went about it. Um, and um, yeah, the, the are uh, Judy Hopps and Nick Wilde into each other? Is that uh, is that going to go anywhere? They say they love each other at the end. Was that purely a platonic thing? I hope it's platonic because their babies probably wouldn't be. Actually, their babies would be very cute, probably. I I have to imagine that works similarly to how it does in the real life because we don't see any weird chimera hybrids in in this world. Um, So, (laughs) yeah, Um, I I just think I feel like they kind of that was kind of a bone that they wanted to throw to um 
you know the adults the the furries you know they, they wanted there to be a little bit the of like Phillip. the furries <laughs> i know that? what those are i've seen the furry people no don't say that <laughs> no furry, like it's like a thing it's like a oh no no they're these people that like wear big masks and tails and stuff uh, it's, uh... i'll show you when this is done <laughs> i thought it was like it's a fan community that you know it just has an a, a special affection towards anthropomorphic uh animal characters uh typically in animation and um i don't know i think uh this movie <laughs> like there's the whole nudist colony scene there's this there's a lot there's a lot in this film that i think is designed to um you know to make the grown-ups have a chuckle <laughs> to get past the radar yeah so I appreciate the fact that like it wasn't because I, I think a lot of movies nowadays, kids movies are just very sanitized. There's no like, you know, affection or romance in many ways that the sex appeal is just um, it's a little scarce. So, so this Gazelle, like Shakira's character was a little sexy. That song was written by Sia. Did oh. you know that? Cute. Cool, cool. Okay, so I'm just viewers, saying. listeners, don't hate me. I really don't like Sia, but I do think a lot of her writing is very good. Yeah, she's written like so many songs. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks guys uh, for chatting about some Zootopia here. And we'll hopefully return to the subject once uh, the series co- comes up. Yeah, November yeah. rolls around. Well, 2022 is what I saw, but that was... Oh. Um, wikipedia so i don't know maybe don't uh, worry philip we'll still be uh doing it we'll still be we'll still be here we'll still be we'll still be here and i'm gonna have my coffee well, i don't know I, I hope it's yeah, november um you know i because that would be really fun to to see some more hard-hitting animation from walt disney animation studios um on disney plus in the near future um so any final thoughts for you guys zootopia thanks for making us rewatch it because there's so much going on to soak in it's worth a double a double take so even if the, our listeners watched it five years ago i would recommend putting it on again and discovering some of the little things that the animators threw in and the script has to offer because this is something you can watch over and over again and find something new every time i think all right hannah yeah. um I think that no matter what uh, your grownups might say or the people around you, um, your dreams are definitely possible. Sometimes you got to put yourself in check and be a little realistic. But um, remember, like Shakira sang to us, to try everything, try everything. Because if you're determined and you don't see yourself doing anything else, then your dreams are definitely worthwhile. Dream on. And... Uh, <laughs> Thank you both so much. Uh, do you want to give us any uh, social media plug? Well, no one's going to really probably want to follow me after this one. But if you do, I'm on Instagram. It's Jody J-O-D-I, Pulaski, P-O-L-A-S-K-Y. And you're welcome to follow me if you want. And my Instagram is Hannah Lee Ever After, L-E-I-G-H, and Ever After, like fairy tales. And then um, if you liked the political aspect of this, I'm just Hannah Smart on Twitter, and that's where I run my mouth. So there's that. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jody and Hannah. And thank you to the listener for sticking with us. Um, I, just a ton of fun. I know uh, 
you know, hopefully <laughs> people who uh, like to shy away from some of the more sensitive areas of commentary, you know, aren't too upset at <laughs> us kind of. We just have to, I mean, it's pretty stuff. transparent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we try to keep it fairly clean, but also like, you know, I want to dig into some substance and not be, not be too prudish either. It is not the fine line, the big balance on the <laughs> thoughtcast. Just try to be funny and fun and entertaining. But um, uh, thanks everyone for, for joining with us. And uh, we'll be back on the Thoughtcast. Near future, we um, are at thoughtcast.com and on numerous podcasting uh, services um, at Thoughtcast on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and I'm your host, Philip Elke. You can find me at Philip Elke on Twitter and Instagram. So once again, we shall sign off here. Have a magical day. Have a wonderful week. Warm hugs, everybody. Mm-hmm.